Remembering a vision statement is the first step to its being useful. It's your why. It's what we do. It's where we're going. It should be specific, and it's specific for you. What do you really, really want? I think we've got to figure out how to make sure the work is meaningful to them, right? If you don't take the time to have goals that are based upon the vision and building up to that vision, then what are you actually working towards? Strong companies, lasting partnerships, powerful events. Welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Chris, we get to have a special guest on today, someone I've known for over a decade, and I spend a lot of time with doing this exact thing on a different podcast called The Cashflow Contractor. But what's, you know, you got to meet Martin today for the first time. What has been your first impression of Martin in person, or maybe your impression of Martin from a distance of listening to the cash flow contractor? Well, first of all, I'm, a, I'm very excited to have Martin on the show. I, I, I'm a fan and a, li- and a listener of cash flow contractor. And uh, so, yeah, nice to meet you in person, right? I'm air, I'm <laughs> air bunnying when I say that, Martin. Um, just love your common sense approach to uh, to talking about all the business issues for for my listeners at Experience Builders. Um, so I know Martin and Cashflow Contractors as a great resource for small business uh, contractors, primarily that work. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the home remodeling and construction and landscape contracting. And what I was struck with a, maybe a year ago when I started listening to to CFC was just the similarities are everywhere. If you're a small business owner and we're all contractors as exhibit builders for trade shows and business events, it, it is just the principles of building a successful, profitable business are exactly the same. So super grateful to have um, Martin join us today. Martin, I'm going to let you maybe take a, mi- a couple of minutes and um, Tell my listeners a um, little bit about your background and even how you and Khalil met. Was was were you, do I understand it right? You were a professor or teaching at the University of Oklahoma, and that was the doorway. Or no, he we wishes. were doing. He, he's not that. Credible. I was teaching. You're, you're giving him too much credibility. Surgery. <laughs> yeah, I, I was teaching open heart surgery, and I had Khalil come in <laughs> to handle some of the minor. He work. was doing some volunteer work <laughs> so, on the on yeah, the yeah. cadaver. Front? Okay. Yeah, you know, it's just an extra. Oh, it wasn't a cadaver when we started. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. I learned a little bit about you, and we think uh, so far identically on everything that every subject that's come up. Uh, briefly, my experience um, I'm from Oklahoma, went to school in Nebraska. I was a biology major of all, of all things and didn't want to go to medical school. Uh, like I thought I did. It was, I didn't want that at all. So I started driving a truck, wound up working at grain elevators, which I think a lot of our listeners will know what those are. Those are white silos that sit out on the prairie and did that for a number of years. But while doing that, I learned about business and commodity markets and, and found interesting. So I came back to Oklahoma and since doing that, have helped start or reorganize eight small businesses. Two of them failed sold four of them, 
is still work closely with two, one of which is my coaching business with auspices here. Uh, in every kind of industry, I mean, agriculture, we had a spinoff out of the University of Oklahoma bio uh, GMOs back before GMOs were popular. Uh, chemicals, two manufacturing, uh, contracting, and I'm leaving something out, but that, that my background speaks to what you said, that the principles of business are the same. And I, I don't know who said it. I wish I had been the originator of it, but it said, you know, your company's unique, just like all the other companies, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there are, and uh, we do on the cash flow contractor, primarily with uh, tradesmen and uh, contractors, both commercial and residential remodelers, builders, home builders, and manufacturers. But fully half my clients over the year have been completely unrelated. I have a publisher right now. I've had a psychiatrist. Um, I've had people who develop products for education. So I, I have to look to think about, I've had farmers, uh, seed corn farms. So the principles are the same. And, uh, well, I, I'm wondering, by the way, publisher, psychiatrist and educators, I, is this your personal network you're using or is, you know, <laughs> is that? No, matter of fact, the educators, I'm going to give them a shout out because they'll listen to this called o, Oateca. Uh, they make assistive technologies uh, that schools use to teach special needs children. Uh, very cool. The very low functioning. And they're awesome. And they came because of the cash flow contractor. Very nice. They said, well, no, we listened to it. And so Cheryl and Tiffany, hey, here's a shout out. So um, after that, it just comes from uh, most of the businesses from referrals and things like we're doing right now. Sometimes somebody will reach out and if there's a fit. Uh, we can help help each other. Well, I want to congratulate you. You're the first guest we've ever had on that could su that successfully uh, used the word trade show in prairies in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so really just that is that is so not the audience ling lingo I usually hear, Martin. So yeah, but uh, fascinating, uh, fascinating background. And really, um, I'll tell I'll tell my group. One of the things I've really enjoyed um, listening to uh, when I, I hear your, your, your podcast is, you know, the commonsensical approach of almost everything, you just make it sound so simple. I think all of us, if you've been in business 10 years, 20 years longer, you know, we've all listened to the tapes and read the books of the Stephen Coveys and the Tony Robbins and Sandler training and Miller Hyman and Wilson learning. And by the way, all of those things when, you know, and I'm a student of, you know, and a lifelong learner, um, all, they all have the same elements. If you really break them down about what success looks like that to get there. Um, I was struck when I listened to a, a recent episode, it actually is a, I think it was a three series episode, a three episode series, the nine essentials of, of a successful business of an organized business. And it's the same wisdom and principles you may hear from those guys, but I thought it was better presented because it just really struck me. And I thought, as I thought about, I got to get, I got to talk this guy into coming on the show. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, why would people who've been in business for a decade or two, why would they review that now? Why? I'll, and I'll, well, I'll tell you why. Because our industry vaporized in 2020 and those of us that survived this near extinction event that we went through 
have only been in business for two years. <laughs> so, so if you've been in business for two years, and by the way, you're probably have modified your business, whether it's doing things differently, but for us, it's, it's a complete shift in our offering. Um, so listening and talking about what's our vision and our mission and kind of culture we want and how's our, how do we line up in an org chart and, you know, goals and, 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 and systems, all of that stuff is, it's all under construction right now at my company. And I think for many in the trade show and event owner space. So, um, I'm, I'm really hoping that we can, um, I know it's three up. We're not going to get through it in the, in the level of detail. If we get some feedback and then maybe I'd love to have you back to expand on some of these, but I thought maybe if it's okay with you, we could run through those nine things and share sure. some wisdom about, um, about each one, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I'd, I'd like to start off just real quickly by saying what your listeners probably already know that 90% of their mental capacity is consumed by things other than what they do. Mm. Okay. Meaning, yes, you might be working in your business and spending too much time there, but the, the stress, the strain, the what am I going to do? Where are we going to go? What, what do I do now? Are things that are not necessarily what you do. People generally start mm. businesses to do something they're good at, and they're quickly ambushed by, there are four areas of business, guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business. Mm. And most people know how to do the doing part. Yeah. That's, I'm a welder, I'm a builder, I'm a doctor, I'm a retailer. I know how to do that. They don't know about the leadership part. They don't know about the marketing and sales. They've heard about it, but they don't know. And they certainly don't know about the administrative part which is bookkeeping, IT, uh, you know, we're talking about what softwares to use. It's uh, regulatory compliance, it's uh, insurance, it's all these things that you'd never heard about when you started business. And one of the advantages of having a construct like that, these four areas of business, is that at any point in time, forever, from now, forever, you cycle through those four things and say, in one of those areas, there's something that I could improve that it would have the greatest impact on me. Maybe it's defining your mission statement. Maybe it's getting your marketing message better, but there's always a short stave in the barrel that limits how full the barrel can be. So you work on that thing, get it up. And now there's another short stave and you never start looking, stop looking for the short stave in the barrel. Okay. So the nine essentials of business are kind of a uh, flow. They're not exactly the same as the four fundamentals of business, but they, they flow with that. It's a construct and say, where am I in these areas? And they give you something to think about rather than, hey, I need to do better. You just triggered a thought. I, I'm realizing at listening to you, you know, this is certainly a, a self-awareness point for me. Hiring a person for a position, or I liked what you said uh, offline, or, or a role. I'm hiring you for a role, not for a title or a position, right? So, right. but- so if I'm hiring an accounting clerk or a bookkeeper and you go, okay, great. I've filled that square. That doesn't allow me to be hands off about integrating that part, those, those, that functional responsibility into my business still has to work, you know, it, because that's fine. The finance side was one of those areas of a business I had to work at to get smarter at. It didn't come naturally to me. And so, you know, oh, we've hired a qualified person to, to do that for us. You know what? You can't just hire a person and go, great, I've filled that, uh, that, you know, that's being done no. at my company now. 
you still have to make sure that all of that blends and integrates well with overall what you're doing. Am I right I'll, on that? Uh, oh, hundred percent dealt with it this morning already. Hmm. People, there's a difference between uh, abdicating and delegating, right? Abdication is I've hired somebody to do this. It's off my plate. Now I'm going to go do something else. Well, that's when, if it's an accounting person, we were talking about fraud. That's when fraud happens, right? Yeah, that's yeah. when things, if, and absent fraud, that's when they're just not done well. Uh, the client I was talking to this morning, we have we think of it as an audit, right? There's there's some things that we'll go through on the nine essentials of the yeah. business that you bring buddies, people on and you give them a chance to do it right. I mean, you tell them what you expect and how they're measured and what to do. So they're not winging it on their own, which is abdication. You delegate, but then you have to, as a leader and as sub leaders on our chart, you always have to do what I call auditing. And I call it auditing because it is auditing. You have to have, and we'll talk about it's one of the nine essentials. You have to have a method of checking people's work without redoing all the work. Mm. Right. Amen. Yeah. If, and, it, it is your responsibility as a leader. You never, ever, as long as you own your business, are completely absolved of that responsibility, ever. And if and if you're the owner, I mean, really completely resolved because if you go broke and get robbed or whatever, you still got to pay the bank back, right? Right. right. So anyway. Can you, let's, just for listeners that this is a new topic to can you run through what the nine essentials are that we're, that we're talking sure. about? I think everybody will recognize sure. them, but let's, let's, let's call them out. Well, we, when I'm looking at a new business and I can kind of ask these questions, work them in and don't ask them bluntly, but see where we are on this. And it kind of gives me an idea of what we got to do next. But there first that you have to have a vision for where you're going. Uh, you have to have a mission statement, which I'll make a distinction between the two here in a minute. Um, you have to have a uh, culture that has been created and didn't just happen to you. Uh, you need to have goals, attainable goals, which we'll talk about, an organizational chart, um, processes, standard operating procedures, systems, whatever you want to call it, uh, at at least an elemental level, yeah. job descriptions so that people know uh, what they're intended to do, what they're responsible. They want clarity. How am I measured? What am I supposed to do? How did I do, right? Um, you need how to's, which are, uh, well, we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, and you need KPIs. So those are, that should be nine KPIs meaning key performance indicator, right? Yeah. They're, they're one of the things that allow you to audit work, yeah. right? You can, you can look at certain KPIs and say, huh, something's going off the rails over here. Need to go look for, right? So those would be the nine essentials. And Chris, tell, I mean, I know that we're going to start with the vision. So the first essential, Chris, tell us a little bit about your um, experience with vision in the past and yeah. kind of what you, after talk, listening to Martin, what you've kind of changed it to. Well, at the risk of looking and sounding like an idiot, and by the way, I don't think there's really <laughs> any risk involved. I think I, those, my bona fides are well established in that category. So um, no, but I, you know, I remember starting off, I've, I've owned several businesses. I've owned this one for, uh, like Martin, you know, there's, there's some you've, you've built and sold and, and, um, and starting out, you know, early and, and even till not, not that long ago, I just, I thought a vision was, it had to be the big, ambitious, robust, um, 
description that really encompassed us being all things to all people in the space I did business with. So, so people would think of us as, oh yeah, we could use those guys for that. And it just was, and yet I could never remember it. And I certainly couldn't get my employees to, to retain it in a way that they could repeat it. And so I'll be honest, it was, it was listening to the Martin's version, not of, of, of the nine essentials, not Covey's or, or, or Sandler's or Wilson Larry's. And it, so I broke it down to this, you know, I'm building a company. I have a company and we're, we're building a better company, building back a company. Uh, and we want to be the most valuable outsource partner to exhibit houses and ad agencies that work in the trade show in the business event space. I, I, I know who we are and I know who we're not. And it's liberating to know that and say that. And by the way, I can say that sentence to, I don't know that every employee on my pull and prep floor or, you know, when, uh, on the IND labor team is going to get it after hearing it once, but we do monthly all staff meetings and, and they hear me say these things. This is who we are. This is what we're building. So, and then again, I'm, I, I, I may be explaining what, what Martin would explain. Then the mission is how we accomplish that vision. And, and again, I wanted to have it be simple enough that it's one, that it's true and that we really and achievable and that we're after it. So, you know, we want to be the most valuable outsource partner to exhibit houses and, and agencies in the trade show and event space. How do we do it? We do it by making the lives of our, of the salespeople and the project managers and the operations personnel that we work with. We make their lives easier. How do we do that? That's it. We do it by constant relentless improvements and innovation to our own processes and systems. In a few words, we keep getting better at how we do business with each other and ultimately how we do business with them that we think is going to make their lives easier. So those I, yeah. you, you were the one, the nickel dropped for me, Martin, when you clarified the difference between a vision and a mission statement, because, you know, I think a lot of people confuse those two things. I have to, I have to say, I'm not the only one who thinks that described that way. Um, but if you get on the internet, there'll be a million people calling what I call a vision statement, a mission statement. There'll be people that don't have a vision statement. They just have, anyway, okay, I'm, I'm not Congress. I don't have the authority to declare, but the vision is what your company looks like when you've achieved what you're after. Okay. It's the picture. You're the, you're the go-to guys. The mission is what you just said is how do we do that? And I'm going to wrap up or just a little bit summarize. We accept the burden. Right. Yeah. That, what, what does your guy want? They want to know they can slide it over the table. 100% competent that that issue is off. It, that booth's going to be there and it's going to be just what I want. Wow. I'm not leaving you for a hundred dollar difference in the bids. Right. Yeah. Well, Martin, and so can I ask you, Martin, is it wrong if somebody's vision of a business owner's vision is I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, my vision is to build a company with sustainable revenue that can fund my lifestyle and, and my retirement. Is that a vision? Absolutely. So it doesn't yes. have to be in, I mean, no. I, 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 I gotta, they, this is one of the hardest things and it's, it's unfortunate that it's first because there's, but it, getting people to give, I ask people when they come in, 
uh, routinely, new prospective clients, I ask them, what do you want? I mean, Khalil's heard me say this a million times. What do you want? And they say, well, what do you mean? And I said, I mean, what do you want? They say, well, I'm, you mean me or my company? I said, you, your company? I don't. What do you want? Wow, good question. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I say the, the vision thing, people try to, as you described, be lofty and poetic, right? right. You know, we're going to save the world and do all these things. Well, number one, that's not really what they're after. And number two, they wind up with a bunch of platitudes that absolutely nobody can remember. And if people can't remember, remembering a vision statement is the first step to its being useful because it's your, it's your why. It's what we do. It's where we're going. Yeah. Right. And so it gets a little bit complicated, but you can kind of describe what I do subset of visions, an external and an internal, and they both have to be true. But you don't want to tell your, well, actually, it probably would work. Say, hey, I'm trying to be the most profitable display guy in the world because I want to buy a Gulfstream jet. And I'm sure a lot of your clients would go, okay. And the way I have to do that is make you the happiest SOB in the world who pays me premium prices. Okay, I'd go for that. But a lot of people would, right? Yeah. It, I'll tell you what, 10 years ago, if you asked me, what's your company vision? You know, I, I would have said, well, I'm going to need a thesaurus and Jack Welsh's book on life at GE in order to answer that question. Right. Because you're right. right. Lofty, poetic, um, yeah. platitude. You Let, just, let's it, give an it, example. It, <clears throat> let's give an example. I think, you know, Martin, I think you remember, maybe I'm putting on the spot here, but you remember Disney's old vision statement. Mm. Uh, yeah. Was what, what, do you yeah. remember what it was? Yeah. It was a smile on every face. Yeah. Yeah. And you're never going to achieve that. There's going to be someone frowning at some point. And so they're always going to be trying to achieve that vision, right? right? But as a new guy working for Disney, I understand my job. Yeah. Literally it is safety first. But the second thing is to make people smile. Yep. Am I doing that now or am I not? You know, it gives clarity. And so let's read off their website. Our vision, the vision of the Walt Disney Company is to entertain, inform, and inspire people around the globe through the power of unparalleled storytelling, reflecting the iconic brands, creative minds, and innovative technologies that make ours the world's premier entertainment company. That would give an aspirin right. a headache. Yeah. Right. You know? It means nothing. Yeah. It's worthless. It's, it's really so, meaningful if you have the time to sit down and read it and really digest it. No, what? Well, you got two people in what's innovative versus profitable, right? Yeah. Who has priority there, right? And in the, so I'm not refuting, I guess you could get meaning from it, yes. but nobody's going to do that. So when I talk to people about, I say, what do you really, really want? And a lot of smart people say, you know, I want a business where I have trusted people who operate systems, trusted systems who are happy, who want to be here. I want customers who are raving fans. You know, you don't want to, but that's what I really want. I say, okay, our vision is a system-run company where the employees love being here. Our suppliers and our customers are raving fans, and everybody and the owner spends the majority of his or her time working on the business that's head of in. Okay, there's a vision. Yeah, you know, it's not a lofty feed the world kind of deal, but that's what if that's what you really want. Right. I think that's the point. Now, the point I'd make to listeners, and and my takeaway when when it, when it clicked for me, Martin was. It should be specific and it's specific for you. There's not a wrong answer, but it, it shouldn't be um, so vague that you've lost, 
you know, the, you know, the identity of what you're building and pursuing. And it's okay if it's, to, if it's to fund your lifestyle and your retirement. Um, and, but so by the way, when I want to be the most valuable, you know, outsource partner, the, the exhibit houses that work in our, in our industry all have partners they outsource. Some are graphic specific and some are AV and some are transportation and freight and others are labor. And we're sort of a hybrid of a bundle of those things. We think, we think the depth of our offering and we hope, I hope, the quality of my people and the, um, the, the intelligent way we do business makes people go, I just love what those guys, bar none, couldn't, couldn't live without them. Um, and by the way, I happen to believe you could drill down deeper. I happen to believe that will fund a nice lifestyle for me if I'm able to do that. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm not choosing to make that the thing out front. And, but one of the, one of my best takeaways was listening to you define the difference between this step and the next step, which was the mission. And that's the mission is how you're going to accomplish that. And that was another great aha moment for me. So um, how do you transition your clients from going for, okay, once they've defined it, how do you slide them into that next mission part of that? Well, that, that is actually a great exercise, but it's understanding what your customers want and need, what they want. Yeah. And, and then of course, innovation comes in there. Sometimes you're going to do something they don't know they want yet. Right. Right. But, right. Uh, so how do you deliver, what do they want and how do I deliver on those promises? And it can be, you know, simple. It can be three things, you know, uh, you don't have, you can make 400, but three, I'll say this for contractors. And, and a, that's my audience mostly, but communications, communifications. Wait, where's my thesaurus? There I think go. I missed that one. Yeah. In the, yeah you could right. A, a vision, and I've suggested a couple of companies, they haven't used it, but you want a great vision? We want to be known as the communications company in our industry. Okay, now, that's my vision. I want everybody in the world to say, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. You're the communications company. So, mission, how do we do that? We send weekly updates on Friday afternoons, even if there's been no, and you can do this, you know, we're at this point in design. We just, they don't ever have to ask. You're constantly, and not wearing them out, but you're touching them all the time. We're, this is where we are. This is where we are. This is where we are. That's how we communicate. We communicate, uh, we respond within 24 hours to any email or phone call. Maybe you got to respond faster than that, but, but you have some rules and laws within your company, some precepts. These are things that we do. I tell you what, if you're the communication company and you're communicating regularly, they're not, they're asking you about the price later on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's what they want. Sometimes they don't know they want it, but they will after they try once without it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the mission is how do I communicate? The vision is communication company. Somebody once told me, if you look up visionary, I'm like, yeah, I'm the vision guy at the company. If you look up visionary in the dictionary, the definition says crappy with details, right? <laughs> so, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm that guy. Um, but I'm learning to be better at, painting the picture now that I'm working on my business full time and not in it. Right. I'm, I am in service to the people that work here and I find right. myself, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a better leader. I think they would say I am because I, I thought that I, years ago, I, you know, pre 
pre-pandemic, I used to think that the way I prove I'm a good leader is I'm in the trenches with them working harder than anybody in the weeds. And that's, they, every great group needs it, needs somebody on overwatch at treetop level that has the visibility and say, you know, you're all cutting your way through the jungle with machetes and there's a cliff you're heading towards and I need to move us this way or this group needs move water. They need water. Let's bump them that way. So, um, right. So the, so after mission, right. I believe culture was the third. Is that correct? Yeah. Culture and culture. Uh, if there are two or more people, let's say three or more people together, there is a culture. The question is, did it happen to you or did you yeah. create it and, and curate it? Right. You may not hire the right person every time, but you need to know when to let them go. Uh, and the way I like to see culture statements done, and we'll put a link maybe in your show notes yeah. where people can get examples. But um, again, they need to not be freaking platitudes. They need to be who you are. Um, but you would list some, and one of them I like to see in there is profitability. Profitable is one of our culture standards. Well, you write the word profit in there and you might get some grumbling and grousing, but below that you put some uh, bullet points like, Profit is mandatory to uh, grow. Can't, you know, what, what's, what are the benefits of profit? Um, integrity. Okay. That's a terrible platitude. I generally hate that word. I mean, I like what it is, but I, it's so well used. But what does integrity mean? Some little bullet points in your culture statement. Integrity means that I do what I say I will by the time I said I won't, will. And if I can't, I inform people immediately. I never speak ill of other people ever. Anyway, there, yeah. you know, I don't, you can define that, right? There are a whole lot of things. Yeah. yeah. And the rate that, and if you have four or five major, major culture values, major values, culture is a group of values that you, when you have team meetings or you're talking with a team, you can say, you can bring somebody up. Hey, here was a great um, example of, uh, integrity that Ron did last week and then give an example. And this is why it showed integrity. Integrity doesn't just mean honesty. Integrity, the actual word also means structural uh, soundness, right? That's integrity of an airplane and things like that. So you have an opportunity with these culture items on occasion to discuss them and let people self-define them, right? So finding your, there, there's many values that people have uh, as there are people but fleshing out the ones that mean the most to you and re again requires a little thought yeah uh, people live by their values and there are ways to define them or help people discover them but people a lot of times have a hard time saying well what are your values what are your principal values well so you're uh, it's funny so i like when you said integrity is a crappy word right so um in another life, when I worked directly with brands, we would I traveled around and we, I did a, you know, all over the world the trade show marketing seminars. And when we got to the part about designing, designing with purpose, um, the, I would call the word integrity what what we would call some of the design words. It's a slippery, it's what we call a slippery word. So when people said, "Well, it's a, you know, if you were designing your exhibit, what do you want it to look like?" We go, "Well, I want something that looks very successful." I want something that's conservative because we're a conservative company or we want something that's a real stopper. Well, 
What does that mean? If you ask 20 people in a room, you'd get 20 different definitions. If you say right. integrity to 10 people, I, you could get 10 different. And so really the way you, you got to clarify and communicate what that really means, right? Or either right. clarify it or eliminate it because it's, it's, it's dangerous, right? To put that kind of a slippery word. Yeah. I, in, in the marketing world, I call them invisible words, quality, um, integrity, value. Yeah. Because they're used so much. I mean, integrity is a magnificent word. It's not a crappy yeah. word. It just is the way it's used as kind of a, you know, I can't think of anything in detail. So I'm going to throw out integrity. It's the finding that de the detail is where the opportunity is for people to self-define. Uh, Absolutely. And you, you guide them, but they're self-defining and they're going to be a lot more buy-in if they define what integrity means. What, so when we, if you just put it on a post, when I talk with managers in our organization about culture, there's a word we've been adding. Um, I don't know that it's brand new, but it's, it's, and I'm hearing it more in the market and that's putting the word intentional in front of the word culture, because as you said, you're going to get one, whether you want it or not. Right. And so we yeah. used to talk about, yeah. um, a, a big part of the listenership of, of experience builder show here is, uh, comes from the EDPA, which is the experiential designer and producers association. A lot of builders, a lot of service contractors, a lot of suppliers to the industry. Um, and so we would, we, you know, we talk about, we talk a lot about an experience, the customer experience through project management and, and communication has a lot to do with that. And so I used to talk to a lot of the, my labor business leader friends and I'd say, well, what kind of, you know, is I, one of them said, well, I and D is not experiential. I said, Oh yes, it is. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I'm showing up at eight o'clock on a Thursday at, at Chicago's McCormick place to, to, to get started. Um, I'm going to have an experience during that move in one way or the other. It's either going to happen to me or you as the labor provider can have some influence over creating that better experience for that white collar executive. And maybe it's new. I think the term is new collar, right? The new collar executive right. <laughs> that is used to managing things and getting things done and being in control of things. And there they are in a hustle and muscle work environment where there are things are out of their control. Um, are you going to do anything to make that experience a little less intimidating or a little better for them? So anyway, I think culture is a lot like ex that experience. What I want people to want to come to work in the morning. I want them to enjoy right. that. Um, Khalil always talks to me about, I, I think we've got to figure out how to make sure the work is meaningful to them, right? This has to be something they're proud to do. You have to help them have some perspective of how this helps other people's lives. We help the world trade. What we do is very, very noble. So Khalil, I see you want to jump yeah. in. Talk to me, man. Man, I think something that is really hard when we're talking about the nine essentials for people is that we start with, you know, whenever you say nine essentials and you're about to go through a checklist and people are like, okay, I can get started on this. My, the essentials for my business to an organized yeah. business. And then you start right away with vision, mission, culture. I know. And those sorry. are so hard. And, you know, even in this episode, if you think about the length of it, we're spending so much time on these three in comparison to what we'll spend on the rest because the others are just very, a lot more practical uh, and easier to understand. Oh, yeah. checklists or how to, right? Right. But I think that it's critical that when you start with your business and getting it organized, that you start with these things because it 
should guide every decision. It should guide every action in your business going forward. And when you know your vision and you're talking about making your work meaningful for employees, it's so much easier to make it meaningful. And you can tie every action back to the vision. Hey, the reason why we're doing this, guys, is because we're trying to delight every single customer, right? Or whatever whatever your value is, your mission is. And if you can incorporate these things into every other aspect of your company, meaningfulness will not be difficult. And right now in an unorganized business, meaningfulness is really even challenging at times. And having clarity, What we, we even talk about this on our podcast, Martin CFC, but the most challenging, the most uh, common reason why an employee will leave a company is for unclear expectations. Uh, it's not 58%. a eight percent. What is it? Fifty-eight percent. Fifty-eight percent. Christine's section. Uh, un, unclear expectations, and I, I would imagine a lot of the reason why those expectations are unclear is because the vision is unclear, because the mission is unclear, because we don't know what our values are and how we should be acting each and every day. And it's amazing how when you know what the vision is and what the mission is, if there's a task that you're unsure about, you can default back to the vision. And if it falls, and you can make your decisions based upon that vision. And obviously we want to be providing clear expectations in our company, but we're just not going to be perfect at all times. And if we have clearly communicated what our vision and mission are, then people are going to know exactly what they're going after and what the task should default to. So I'm, I'm I, writing I, down that 58%, Martin. I'm a walk softly and carry yeah. big statistics guy. And uh, yeah. I, by the way, I should remind you that 68.7% of all statistics are made up on the spot. So, um, but not that, <laughs> I heard but it was not that one. But not that one that you just <laughs> yeah. shared. So, yeah. um, no, I appreciate it. So, in, and as we talk about that, Khalil, you know, so many people leaving because of poor expectations, which again, this is sort of close out, closing out culture. Is there any business leaders or owners that you gentlemen talk to that you're coaching that wouldn't agree that it, that right now uh, building the business, you know, whether it's the economy or you're recovering from pandemic, it's lumpy and uneven. And and the, still the greatest disruption for us is talent acquisition and culture's got to be the the one thing that I can influence in my company to a make sure my people are happy and staying and not leaving. And two, and and I actually have some proof in the last six months, we've been able to attract some people because they're leaving places where they feel burnout or underappreciated or overwhelmed or unclear, and we're offering a different way of doing things. And would you, but but is that is that a universal oh, I, thing you guys are seeing? Culture is... Uh... Actually, he might have said it the other way around, but Peter Drucker said culture is process for lunch. Now, uh, he might have actually said it the other way around. I go, oh, my gosh, because I remember, I vehemently remember it because I go, here's what I say. Culture is process for lunch. If you have a great culture, people can copy your process. They can come in and steal your notes yeah. and copy and do everything you do, and they ain't you. Yeah. Amen. That's it, great. Culture. Great point. They can't create culture is huge and you want buy-in. I mean, there's a, the, the British Navy had a taught ship and a happy ship. Taught ship was discipline. Happy ship was everybody. Uh, and the only problem was you couldn't change. They both can work, but nowadays happy ships work better. You want people who are there because they want to be there. Right. Yeah. And the number one thing is Cleo brought up is they need to know 
They want clarity. What am I supposed to do? How am I going to be measured? Uh, you know, how do I do it? Which is part of what we're doing uh, with the rest of the nine essentials here. So, yeah. so after culture, right on your list, you've got goals okay. and I'm going to make a confession. Right. This is my greatest personal challenge is written goals that have an okay. element of accountability built in. Sorry, man. I just tomahawked the table. I just realized, um, <laughs> but, but that just means you're enthusiastic. I, I, listen, enthusiasm you, meter. You, you, you know, Martin Khalil knows me. You get me lathered up. I'm like a gerbil on Red Bull on some of these <laughs> subjects. And so, but so I heard you on one of your broadcasts say, this is all just theory until you get to the goals, right? Yeah. You got to put down well, specifics and right. So I'm sorry. So t talk to me. G Gary, Gary Vaughn, Chris Voss. Former wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. If you haven't read it, freaking get it and read okay. it. It's fascinating plus brilliant, right? I mean, I'm telling that to anybody who listens. He's just so good. He is. But he's a hot, former hostage negotiator, negotiator with the FBI, chief head negotiator. He's much more than that now, but all around the world. And uh, one of the things he says, you can you can have complete agreement on what, what, you know, this is the outcome we all agree on. We've negotiated it fully. He says, you have not done anything until you've described how we're going to implement this. Mm. And I was actually going to bring that up. You, you did it for me. This vision, mission, culture, and goals are general, they're theory, but everything we do, even hopefully as a result of this podcast today, somebody will say, I've heard all these things. This gives me direction. This gives me why. Now, what can I do today right. actually do that? takes me one step closer. Only when you get to that point, have you actually achieved something. Yeah. I mean, are you actually underway? You know, other than that, you've just got cocktail stories, right? About lofty visions. So goals uh, can be defined millions of different ways, but here's the way I'm going to do it right now. And this is part of the quattro, you know, the vision, mission, culture goals kind of could be a little printer. The goals are going to change more frequently because the goals I like are things that we can actually go do. And I'm going to borrow this from Donald Miller, who phrased it really well in a video I saw. He's a great marketing guy, a business made simple. He really is. He's a brilliant guy. But he says it very simply. I'm going to have three or four goals, and I will do blank by blank because blank. So I will hire my new designer, which you're not going to do by July 1st, because I have to have the capacity to meet the jobs. And I'll, on that last part, uh, I'd like to have because of a good thing. And so I don't do a bad thing. Right. So I get that job and don't lose my best customer. Specific. This is what I, I do this with all my clients. They, they walk out of here with at least three things. Some of them can be longer. I'm going to do this by September 1st because, but you need that because in there. I am going to do blank by blank because blank. Three of those. That's great. I book. love that. That forces That's you to really clarify. Action. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and this is the part that Donald Miller adds to it so well. He's got a book called Story Brand, which is really good. Uh, a way of thinking about, and, and it's the way, the way the world works, and he's just described it, but the, the because part, 
because I need my new, my Gulfstream jet needs new ailerons and I have to have the money for that. So I don't crash over the Gulf of Mexico with my family go on my way to Cancun. Yeah. Right. Those are pretty random examples. But so you need to why I yeah. what a good and you also need so I don't you need the bad. You need them both. So there's contrast there. And the the effort of sitting down and filling out that simple sentence focuses your thought. You have to think about this stuff and say, okay, I will do this by this date because of this. And you do three of those. When you've accomplished one, you just put another one in there. Khalil, can I ask you, so what do you say to that business leader or small business owner who maybe he's on the cusp of, I'm, I'm trying to work on my business primarily, but I'm still working in my business and I just don't have the time to sit down and write out goals and, and circle back by deadlines and be accountable. What do you what do you say to that? Because I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of well-intentioned business leaders that just small business leaders that find themselves, you know, and and I'm a guy that can totally relate to this, right? To 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 yeah. making the time. And in your head, you go, I know all the reasons I need to do it. How do you any advice on how you coach them through it? Yeah, I mean, you don't have the time not to, right? Um it's well, it's something where well, most if you're going to play problems... that card, I mean, there's no there's no <laughs> there's no response to that. Well, I mean, seriously, it's it's so many times we can be stuck in our rhythms uh, and routines of just yeah. I've got to get that job done. I'm I'm in that death spiral. Uh, if I don't do this, you know, then I, I if I don't just focus on the the things that are in my business, then it's going to collapse. And maybe it does need to collapse. Is probably what. The, the real answer there, because if you don't take the time to have goals that are based upon the vision and building up to that vision, yeah, then what are you actually working towards? You're just doing this. You've created a job for yourself that is going to be never ending and you're never going to be actually fulfilled because you're working towards something that is meaningless, right? So I, I, that's my opinion. Uh, sometimes the collapse, it, if that's the result, that's probably what needs to happen. And like I've said in other episodes here, you're probably avoiding a necessary ending. So, man, doctor, if this is if this is your version of a pep talk, we got to work on our bedside manner. Maybe your business, <laughs> but 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 you're right. So, really, if I'm if I'm understanding what you're saying, you know, one, this may force a, a reality check about what you really have and what you and I've I've been there, so I know that. Yeah. So, but I, you know, you really. Um, so for me to make the time for anybody to make the time about written goal setting built with built in accountability steps, you have to acknowledge that all the other pain that you're feeling or seeing or recognizing your business, what the real pathway to addressing those is. And it could be systems and process stuff and this, but it starts with putting in writing. Uh, like, like Martin said, and it was, uh, <laughs> did you say it was Dennis Miller, Martin or what? Donald, Don, Don I'm sorry, no, Donald, Donald. I'm going to do this. Yeah blank by blank so i can so i blank and once you start right. to fill in the blanks um i don't know here's, how you can ignore it anymore here's two things on the what to do you know why people don't do it is they overthink all this stuff they just make it this big i had a contractor in here two months ago one of the best things ever we we're talking about raising his prices he goes i'm gonna do it because i can go broke on the beach <laughs> 
I might as well be sitting down there at zero than two years from now sitting down there minus 500,000. But I can go broke on the beach. I'm not going to do it for nothing anymore. I've had it, okay? And then on these sitting down, I'll have time to sit down and write goals. I go, nonsense. One stinking little thing, okay? I give an example of, of a pretty young company that didn't keep books. I said, well, the first thing you need to, to do is if you want to start keeping books, it's a overwhelmingly massive problem if you don't understand. And I don't know what any of that is. I don't know where to start. Well, start here. Hire a bookkeeper, a service, right? Not necessarily. Or maybe it's download QuickBooks. Do that by next week. They will have done one thing. And then the next week say, here's how you enter a deposit. I mean, a bad example, because I think a lot of small business owners shouldn't keep their own books, but you just bite-sized chunks, something you can actually do. And you do one of those things or two of those things every week. And at the end of the year, you look back and you go, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, remember when we used to fight with this? I don't fight with that anymore. I'm fighting with something else. Yeah. But not that, right? But serve it up in so snackable, small snackable bites is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Everybody listening to our podcast, anybody else's, knows something that they should be doing and they're not doing. They know something. I, I think for me personally. Or, or that they need to start I doing. I think for me personally, that's that's where I'm at right now. Is, is my, If I am improving on that, I'm, I can be a much greater help to my business on the goals. Tell me why, right. tell me why people got to actually pay attention to the org chart and keeping it updated okay. and, and managing to that? Well, the org chart is a picture of what your business looks like when it's finished, okay? So that's that's your ideal. Now, it could change because your idea can change, but the, the org chart, if you remember, we started out with the four fundamentals of business, guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering yeah. the business. Your org chart actually reflects that. Uh, everybody, we're not doing a visual here, but everybody knows what an org chart is, a box with a line down and level boxes and all this. Well, when you create your org chart, you have to be sure that you've covered all four aspects of your business, right? You might have a CEO. You might have a general manager below the CEO. CEO. You might have a chief operations officer, a chief marketing officer. You know, we're using the C words here. A lot of a lot of companies don't call them that, but you have to cover all functions in your org chart. And it causes you to think through, like a lot of companies will have an administrative person who is really good at, uh, they keep the books, they're the receptionist, they're the file clerk, and they do all the freight operations. Well, those might be at least two different, three different jobs, receptionist job, bookkeeper job, freight and logistics job. That's three boxes on your org chart. Now, the person that you have doing all three of those, you would say, put his or her name in all three of those boxes. And as you grow your company, you look at your org chart and you begin to look across and say, well, when you start your company, your name is in every box. You will do all those functions somehow. And it's your name. As you're beginning to grow, you can look through those boxes, you generally from the bottom up and say, if I hired to fill this position, what, which position, a position, which one would free up the most of my time? Mm. And that might be your hire because it buys you time back. And if you start from the bottom, 
you're also doing generally the least expensive. Okay, that's the first answer. The second goes into the next um, of the of the essentials is beneath each box, you need to describe the duties. Okay, and by that, I don't mean don't get out your word processor and start writing out paragraphs, just bullet points. I have a bookkeeper. Bookkeeper is going to invoice, receive payments, make bank deposits. Actually, you don't want the same person doing all those things, but make bank deposits, enter bills, pay bills, reconcile credit card, you know, dot, dot, dot. You're not telling them how to do it. You're just saying, this is what you do. Okay, you've got project managers, I presume? Yes, absolutely. Um, so project manager. Now, you can have four project managers, don't need four boxes. You need one box called project manager. Completely responsible for coordinating with the designers and the customer, uh, freight, uh, getting that check sent in early so that the union guys show up on time. Their duties, all logistics, right? Then perhaps you have uh, foremen who are more than just a laborer on the what job. What we call a I mean, lead what, man. What's yeah, their duty? exactly. A lead. Okay. So, but you just think through it and don't overthink it, but bullet points. This is what this person does. And the marketing person, okay, are they, what are they responsible for? They're going to design and approve websites, got to do social media. They're responsible for, I mean, you have a whole design yeah. entity that you work with. But that is how, that's why an org chart is important. It is a map that you can use of what your company looks like. It's a map that you can begin to fill. It's a place that you accumulate duties, right? Begin to organize what systems? How? Oh. The lead guy doesn't know how to unpack a four by eight crate and I don't know what level of detail they need to know, but they're responsible for those things. And guess what? You've also just outlined a job description. I was just going to say that exercise and spoiler alert. So in my room next door, we, uh, we have a five foot by 15 foot whiteboard. And again, after starting this series, uh, with your show, uh, we are listing under those four things, guiding, getting, doing, and administering the business, all the functions that everyone, and I've, it's not for everybody, but I've got my, my executive team, which is VPs and above contributing to this. Here's one of the things I'm learning, Martin. This is not an afternoon exercise and it's done. I think you could make a lot of progress in the afternoon, but we're really huh. being thoughtful about, and, and I'm, I'm including them because they think differently than I do. So they're list they're they're aware of functions I don't that don't come top of mind aware to me, but once you list all those functions, now we're looking at like the twenty five things under administering, and I'm realizing, okay, how many people do we need to do all those things? And we know we have an org chart now, so I'm sort of testing what we have against that. But it really is reminding us, um, you know. And by the way, at some point, like in project management, can a can a project manager actually do 75 estimates in a month and manage all the projects to close, right? So you, you start to have an honest conversation with your team about what's really achievable. And so, but you're right from that is 90% of the job descriptions are written when you do that exercise, which I love about this exercise. Yeah. I think a little tip for, for people, obviously <laughs> these nine areas cannot be done. These nine essentials cannot be done overnight. Yes. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time. And I think as you start to think about your org chart 
and really building it out for when your company is finished, that's a daunting task a lot of times. But one, know that this is a living, breathing document that you should actually reference fairly often, maybe even setting a rhythm inside of your company for, hey, we look at this every Friday, or we look at this every other week during our manager's meeting, et cetera, et cetera, will really help you in that regard. But as you go into creating these different roles inside of your company, list out just the, the five responsibilities, the eight responsibilities that each role has, and just start there. Don't, it's not, you're not going to get every single job description in one go, but get those eight responsibilities. And I think a really fascinating way for getting this done quicker, but also more thoroughly that I've been doing this with other companies is you have those eight responsibilities, go into a chat GPT and AI tool and throw in those eight responsibilities and ask chat GPT to write a job description for those eight responsibilities. And these eight responsibilities, just put them as bullet points, just really simple. And then ChatGPT will make it much cleaner and precise. But the next part that's really cool, once you've asked uh, the AI to do that for you, then you can go in and say, hey, provide me with the list of 30 potential responsibilities for this role that I haven't thought of. And then you're going to get so many things that you're, oh, yeah, that's right. We didn't have that down. and Or, wow, we actually don't do that as a company. We probably should. Uh, and it's really going to expand the way that your org chart looks and your job descriptions look, and it's going to be much more detailed. So that's one of the, the best tips that I've seen work for people is, hey, we're just getting all the rules down, and then we're listing out five to 10 responsibilities that we can think of in bullet points. Yeah. Now you've actually got a living, breathing document that you can add to, and then leverage tools like AI to really flesh it out and help you through the process of making it tangible for actual employees. Uh, but that's a, just a little tip for people as they go through the org chart and the job description. I'm boy, I'm hearing, I mean, obviously we're all hearing the words, the, the letters AI and I'm learning about <laughs> ch chat, uh, GBT right now. And I'm, sure. and I'm not, I haven't intimately got into it, but, it, but what you just suggested, Khalil, I'm hearing people, we had, we had a guy that just wrote a press release for us, press release for us. And he started, that's how he started it. And it, and it sort of cleaned it up some. So I'm, I, there's no hiding from, if you're, you know, if you're a guy my age uh, and you mm -hmm. go, oh, uh, yeah, but I don't really need to learn that. You know, that's for the next generation. It's, you know, you're going to be logging onto your toaster in about a year, right? You're going to be, there's just <laughs> no avoiding that. So, um, yeah. and yet, I, even the headlines this morning, um, my fear is if I get involved, it'll be, there's a doomsday scenario that follows. Right, because they're talking about how yeah. scary it can be. But it, oh, yeah. there's no denying that take advantage of those tools. We're all struggling to claw back time in 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 processes that take too long when we don't have enough time. So you've got to figure out how to use the tools that exist. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I think a really helpful thing for people to understand uh, with AI, because there there's always resistance to new technology, but Steve Jobs had a really great interview back in the 70s or 80s where he talked about uh, a study that was done that found you know, which mammals, animals on the planet were the fastest uh, at getting from point A to point B. And humans rank somewhere like two thirds down the list on that, uh, that list of animals. And at the top of the list is the concord. It was the, it's the fastest bird, fastest animal on the planet to get from point A to point B the most efficiently and the easiest without the, the least amount of effort. But then you give humans a bicycle and 
all of a sudden they're two times more efficient at getting from point A to point B on the uh, than a Concorde, right? They're the fastest by far. And now we've got cars and Teslas that go zero to 60 in two seconds or something like that. Yeah. So that's really sums up what humans do. We make things more efficient and easier for us to, to get from point A to point B. And if you think about AI, it's the same exact thing. It's helping us get from point A to point B in our businesses, in our work, in our life much faster. And AI for listeners is the equivalent of we're moving stuff into the into the exhibit hall and we're using a forklift, right? Yeah. You could do it manually and lift it all by hand with a huge crew and, Dollies and several or, trips yeah, back and or, forth, yeah. right? You can do that or you could use a forklift. It's the yeah. same exact thing. You could go and write your job descriptions from scratch, sitting down on pen and paper, then transferring yeah. it over to a, a Word document, or you can ask AI with the right prompts to do it for you, and yeah. then you can make revisions to that document at that point. And so that that's all it is. You know, this don't is, and don't be resistant to it's it. It's a great that's a great analogy. This is great stuff. I want to be um, respectful to your time and our listeners' time. But I know, um, so we've kind of covered job descriptions, which was number seven on Martin's list yep. with what we talked about, talking about number five, org chart. In between those is the world that I'm living in right now is number six was you talking about systems, Martin. And so I think I, I would put system seven. It doesn't matter, but I, but, but it, yeah. And it. so really, so, so once you know how you line up in an org chart, once those job descriptions right. are flexed out, cause you've done a great job defining all the functional right. tasks and responsibilities that the company has to provide to its customers, right? Now you go, okay, got the job, got the, got the org chart, got the job descriptions. Now we got to talk about how the baton is getting back. When does your job stop and, and mine is, or is there anything we're doing simultaneously to save time or how do we move that or any, any wisdom you can share on the struggle well, is real there? Well, the struggle is real there, but my process for that Writing processes is a process. Yeah, it so is. You have your org chart. You got your boxes. You got the bullet points that this box is responsible for these things. Then you go to one of those bullet points. And I was using Bookkeeper before, and I said she enters invoices. Well, I make more bullet points. This is how you enter invoices, and presume a level of intelligence. You don't tell them how to turn on the computer, but you go to here. You go to here. Have to have this information. This information. This information. Now you can write that out. Or in the world of Khalil and all these young people, we can do a video of that. And that is our how-to, right? So we've, we've got under the job descriptions on the word chart, the topics, the, the general topics. Then we're going to go below that and write systems and processes for uh, how to do it. And on some of them where necessary, not everything needs it, but some of them that's necessary, we're going to do a how-to which could be a video or a training session or an expanded PDF, uh, whatever method it is that you actually train. So you haven't told somebody just go forth and, and uh, build this exhibit at Las Vegas, talk to you next week. Yeah. At some point, somebody got to tell somebody how to do something, yeah. right? And then when you have processes, and I know you know this, but when you have processes, um, they don't, we hire people for their brains. And, but 80% of what everybody does is the same old, same old, right? 20% requires my, my thinking, my thought, don't stand under that ladder where thing falls and all that. So you try to, in the systems and processes is where you capture best practices. 
and when you find a better way to do it, you can, you've got a place to change it and everybody can learn. Yeah, right. right. So that going from the org chart to the job descriptions under each box to the systems and process that are also under the job descriptions to the how to's, which are in a library, you can keep them lots of different ways that show how we do that thing. And then the last thing in interest of time was the key performance indicators. Right. And we said way back at the beginning that as you delegate, you need to not advocate, you need to audit, right? Meaning you have to find a way and powerful, um, powerful KBI, KPIs are really a big deal. Okay. I'll give a quick story. Good to great by Jim Collins or uh, Richard Collins. Jim Collins. Great book. Identified one of the reasons that, uh, companies separate themselves was having a great denominator, which is a KPI, something per something. And his example was, um, gosh, Wal Eckert's drug, which is no longer here, and Walgreens. Walgreens had a per customer measure, how much profit per customer. Eckert's had a per store. Mm. Well, who's to say at the time, who's right? Which model is right? Well, one model caused Walgreens to build Walgreens stores every mile, yeah, every right. two miles, because they're after the customer. Eckerd wouldn't do that because you put them too close, it cannibalizes the store sale. Well, may may not be exactly that, but Eckerd is not That's here right. anymore and Walgreens is. They worked on a model. And so uh, sales is a model. It's not a very, uh, is a KPI. It's not. Doesn't really tell your whole story. Discuss yeah. Because. And that's, that's not what we're after. Right. We want sales that bring margin and turn into cash. Yeah. Right. It's not what you sell. It's what you keep. Right. Is correct. And many, many, many people in business are concerned with the top line. What did I sell? And I say the purpose of business, there is only one objective purpose to business. One. And it is to turn cash into more cash. I didn't say sales. I didn't even say profit. Because you can go gloriously broke making a profit if you don't get paid or if you don't get paid in time, right? Purpose of business, cash into more cash causes you to think differently. Uh, so you can you can measure that things. How long are your accounts receivables out? What's my working capital requirement? Those are all kinds of things for KPIs. How much labor per dollar of sales do I have? Or dollar? There are a lot of KPIs that people will measure differently in different businesses. So it's something to talk about, but there is some measure that captures how are things going. Martin, this is ec this is excellent. I, just to, so a high a high a high level look back here of everything we just talked about and why we're talking about this. So you guys are aware of the near extinction event our industry went through. If you're if you're here and you're right. listening, then you survived. Um, the challenge of the build back for small business owners in our sector is to and I'm. You know, this is my priority is I am building back enterprise value in my company. And so when we talk about um, culture, if I have a great culture that builds enterprise value. If I have a, if I have written job descriptions and written systems and everybody understands how we do business with each other, there's, there's great enterprise value in that. Uh, if I'm, if my KPIs are great and I'm measuring the right things, and I'm able to make data-driven decisions for the right reasons, not just to trace revenue, increase sales. 
right? We're, I will tell you that most of us sort of exploded into this industry, Martin, at the same time. So right now you've got owners that between late 50s and mid 70s, everybody's got exit strategy in the vocabulary. There, there is a, for the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, there's been a lot of private equity circling in the industry for the business owners of, of the types of companies that I have. We've certainly been approached. We've been evaluated. Um, my point is there's a group right now, a year after pandemic, depending on when you say it ends, offering two times earnings, not sales, two times earnings. We call it pandemic Revenue. pricing. And the if you want to get your multiplier up, if you want to get if you if you're ultimately trying to sell your Did business, right, then you're interested in um, in driving enterprise value. And so, did you say two times earnings? I'm saying the buyers that the the sharks that are circling some private equity, others might be a, a, a bigger exhibit right. house. There, yes, two times earnings is some of what's being offered, not sales earnings. Okay. And you and I both know, you know, and veterinary clinics are selling at 17 times. Right. Hey, we need to do an episode on how to increase the value. I would business. love to have that uh, conversation. Oh man, that. that, that is a topic. And there are, there are some, there's some voodoo in valuation, of course, yeah. uh, because willing buyer and seller, but there are principles. Great idea. And you follow those principles and this, these you will significantly improve the value. Of the if this well, were a live show steps. right now, Martin, we would have people signing up and subscribing for that episode that you just talked about. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we we, got, we got to do, do that. that. We got to do that. Yeah. Great. Well, follow the nine essentials and you'll, you'll definitely increase the value of your business. I'm on that path. Hey, for that very reason. way to bring it back. <laughs> way to bring it back to circle. That's what Khalil's are. You know what? He's our cleanup hitter, man. There's yeah. a reason. Well, yeah. speaking of close so the we loop. we have to say them again. Speaking of yeah. close the loop, yes, we sir. should we should close the loop. It's been a long episode for everybody. Okay. But yeah, the nine essentials, Chris, Martin, awesome job today. We will do another episode on the on increasing the value of your business. I think that's that's a great idea. So run through it, list them again. Sure, gotta, sure. I'll, I'll list them again, again for us. So nine essentials. It starts with a vision, right? Uh, it's a, well, Your vision is a picture of where your company is when it's finished. Your mission is how you achieve the vision of your business. You have to have a culture at your company that is predicated on your vision and mission and defines the values and principles that you want to live by inside your company. As you have all three of those, then you can set goals to help you reach and achieve your mission and vision. Um, with your completed uh, org, uh, organization at that point at the vision, mission, culture, and goals level, then you can have an org chart that shows all of the roles, not the people, but the roles inside of your company. Excellent. And then from that org chart, then you can start to build out what your job descriptions are for each role, the systems that are used by the different roles inside of your company and that fill that those job descriptions can then use those systems to be able to um, operate your company at a high level. Then you can start to make how-tos for each of those systems. And finally, you can set KPIs or key performance indicators that will align with your company's goals and your vision for the company uh, so that you're setting clear expectations. You can track the progress of your company as a whole, but even for each position inside your company. My so, God, we're geniuses. If, if Khalil were Kanye yeah. West, Khalil he would, did that a lot he would drop a microphone right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, man, great episode. Yeah. Uh, if you, if Listeners, if you want to check out Martin Holland, you can find him on LinkedIn. You can also find him on his website, Anil, A-N-N-E-A-L, bc.com for a business coaching 
You can also listen to them on the cash flow. And let's put them in the show notes down below if we can. Yeah. Every, all of that will be in the show notes for listeners, but Martin, thanks for joining us. Chris, thank you as always. Loved it. Great. Great seeing you guys. Hope to do this again soon. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Experience Builders podcast. Check out our website in the show notes or visit crewxp.com to learn more.